You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to the Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. Now, once upon a time, a boy and a girl fell in love over coffee. As their love for coffee and each other grew, they knew they had to share their love with others. So they got married, and a few months later, Enderly Coffee was born. It's part of the growing family of Becky and Tony Santoro, which also includes three. We thought it was two, but now it's three children at home and a whole lot of coffee. Tony and Becky are both former teachers, and their core values, as you can read on their website, are people and relationships. Like they always say, people first, coffee always. They show this in their business, located in one of Charlotte's most historically rough, but most tight-knit neighborhoods, Enderly Park. Welcome to the Brand Butters Podcast, Tony. Hey, Tony. Very nice to have you, buddy. <laughs> Glad to be Appreciate here. Appreciate it. Uh, nice introduction, Brian, man. Great story, dude. So I, I'm curious, man, what made you and Becky decide to give up teaching and sell coffee? Uh, well, part of that was the recession. We, we taught here in CMS. Uh, five years in a row, we were uh, kind of stuck in that pay freeze that CMS was doing. So as a seventh year teacher, I was being paid still as a second year teacher. And as we started growing our family, having kids, we realized that 10 years from now, if I stayed in teaching, I realistically had no control over making more money or not, apparently, based on the county decisions. Right. And, yeah. and so we you know, I began looking at banks and looking at other jobs and stuff. And that's kind of how I started looking outside of teaching. I would still be there today if the finances were different, I believe. Hey, man, one of our favorite sayings in the office is adversity creates opportunity. And, and look at you now. So you must love coffee. I do. I do. And yeah. and that's, I guess, tell us a little bit about that, man. So you, you had a passion for coffee in some way, somehow, and figured, made a business model, and, and we're working that model now, huh? Yeah. So I would say we differentiate from other coffee professionals where like, yes, I love great coffee. I'm very passionate about making the best product and experiencing coffee to that level. But to be honest, coffee is coffee and good coffee is good coffee. And what it, what it all revolves around for me is the, is the people in the industry, the people in the business. And um, so the passion for coffee, I would say, wasn't so much a passion, just something we really enjoyed together. In college, she was a barista, my wife, Becky, and she, before we were dating. And I'd go into the shop because I knew she was working the 6 a.m. shift and I'd do some work there. And you know, just get around, get to see her and stuff. We'd go to, to dinner once we started dating. And instead of getting a, a wine with our Italian, we'd end up with a coffee and tiramisu afterwards. So it's not so much a passion for it. It's more coffee just kind of speaks something to humans. And I think it's a comfort. It's a relationality. And it's always been that for us. So Very tell cool. me a little bit. You guys now have three at home. So what is it like to have? I have my first son. So he's 16 weeks old. So you have three. Yeah. And you're entrepreneurs. Yes, we try. Do you have any... <laughs> Do you have any time in the day to do anything? Yeah, so we, you know, we we have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and we started foster care two years ago, and we received a one-year-old into our home. And, you know, after two, I feel like adding another one wasn't that much different as long as you have seating in your cars for them. So the biggest challenge for us um, right now is scheduling with daycare, with swapping kids and car seats, and um, that, that's probably the biggest challenge. So if you if you both drive a 10-passenger van, like you guys will be golden, but... It, <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> but no, honestly, it, it's, it's hard work. Like we have to be on the same page. We communicate a lot. There's a lot of tension at times, but there's a lot of love in the house. And well, they always yeah. say, well, you know, once a teacher, always a teacher. And I sure. think that you guys now have the opportunity to teach Charlotte and to, to educate us on coffee um, in a unique way. So you guys have had your coffee brand here for about six years. You're in a soft launch for your new shop. That's got to be ups, downs, some positives, some negatives. Tell me about how that's going and give us an update there. 
Yeah, so it's super encouraging. We, you know, I, we dreamed of a coffee shop in 2008. We actually had a business plan written up to open a coffee shop on Moorhead before all those businesses were around there. And I looked at the numbers, and as a teacher, I knew that that wasn't a possibility. So I uh, turned coffee roasting into a path into the industry and dreamed someday of opening a coffee shop. So um, it's, it's been a lot of hard work. It's been a very organic growth, a lot of grind. Um, but we have, we've had a lot of people have come around us to support us. Like the fact that to be invited here and to share our story is super encouraging, just like opening the doors to a coffee shop on Tuckasegee Road in West Charlotte and having anywhere from 30 to 80 people a day coming through there to a neighborhood that most of them probably never have come to. It's pretty encouraging to see the support of, of everyone of Charlotte to come out and see what we're doing. Yeah, and we appreciate you coming on the on the podcast. I mean, be, you don't have to thank us for coming on. We definitely <laughs> want to push your brand. The reason you're here is because you're doing great things, and we Thanks. want Thanks. to tell people about that. Um, you did mention Enderley Park, and, and that has a history of a pretty rough place. Um, tell me a little bit about what your vision is. Do you see it turning around with helps of businesses like yourself, and, and where, what's your vision for that area? Sure, yeah. we. Um, so we long story back to why we're in Enderley Park, and I'm going to keep it real short because I know that that's just how I am. Um, we, we almost moved to downtown Detroit. We graduated from Michigan State. We had job offers to move and work in the school in this really rough neighborhood in, in Detroit, which is whereabouts we're from. And um, at that time, student loans and, you know, buying a house in Detroit and all these raising support for our school that we were going to work at kind of led us to also keep our eyes elsewhere. CMS was recruiting super hard. Um, they offered us a little signing bonus. They pay for your master's. Like, that's, that's what they were doing back in 2007. So that's what pulled us down here. We always said, well, we could always move back to Detroit or we could start something here. And so to, to look at what we're doing, it's it's kind of always been a part of our story. So when we moved to Charlotte, our realtor, um, they drove us around and he, or he drove us around, showed us 10 different houses in one day. And, you know, nothing felt right. Like South End didn't feel right. Plaza Midwood didn't feel right. Like they showed us a little bit of everything. And this Enderley Park home was the only house we looked at where somebody actually from the neighborhood came and introduced himself and say, hey, I live here, nice to meet you, and it just felt authentic, and so we ended up picking the neighborhood because we really felt like it was an authentic place to live, so um, what was the question, though? Yeah, so do, do you see, no, that's a great answer, and, and uh, my wife's from Detroit, um, so I love the parallels there, and I yeah. think it's really neat that, that you know, Detroit's a struggling city, but you're, you're used to that, right, so yeah. coming down here, some people might say, oh, Interley Park, I'm not going to live there, you take that as a challenge and say, I'm going to live there because it's the A, the one person came by and said hello. That's important. Like, yeah. I think we need to be in a front porch lifestyle where, we, where you are helping your neighbors. So, so kudos to you on that. But the question is, do you see it turning around with help from businesses like yourself? And what's your vision for Enderley Park? Yeah, you know, that's a really deep and loaded question. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of talk right now about neighborhoods changing and displacement and all these conversations that you know, once you say a specific word that starts with a G, then all of a sudden you're either on one side or the other of that conversation and it's not productive. So what I say is, you know, I really firmly believe in this world that like money and power, they kind of trump everything. Like we can't stop the development that's happening. We can't slow it down to a stop. What we can do is we can engage with it in an ethical way. So I've always looked at Tucka CG and this is a business strip right there between Camp Green and basically where I am at State Street. And it's always been something I've, I can look back in time. And I've looked back in Charlotte Observer history. I have this picture of like a bustling Tuckasegee Road with like grocery store and tire shop and gas station and barber shop. And what it was, it was the true hub of the neighborhood. And I envision that that still is a possibility. And um, what, we, what we know is that if, if we just sit back and watch for 10 years, there will be a coffee shop or there would have been a coffee shop on Tuckasegee Road within the next 10 years. Somebody would do it. 
Um, I just decided to do it now and try to do it in an ethical way, engage the neighborhood authentically, hire from the neighborhood work. You know, we do a little bit of mentorship with some of our employees and just try to make this world a better place, or at least our world, instead of trying to fix the, the macro problems. We're focusing as micro as we can within our network. Are you currently are you currently operating or are you in the build out phase? And, and forgive my ignorance. Yeah, yeah. So the coffee shop uh, opened June 28th in the soft opening. I've been really quiet about it just because I've never run a coffee shop. I can roast coffee. I'm a certified barista through the Specialty Coffee Association, but that's very different than actually running a coffee shop. And James, who's my store manager, he is a 23-year-old West Charlotte resident. He's never worked in coffee or in like front retail management. So we are truly learning every single day, but I think we're doing a really good job. I I'm getting ready to um, figure out when the grand opening will be, but it's likely to be just before the back to school time. And um, yeah, we're selling drinks every every day, or actually not every day, Tuesday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. We're closed Sunday um, just to have some rest. And then Monday we're closed because that's our production day for our wholesale business. So okay. I'm actually at our roastery on the other side of town, roasting and uh, packaging coffee to deliver around the city. Very cool. So, are you, are you, so you're obviously offering various coffee drinks, lattes and, so on and so forth. Are you doing food as well? Yes. Your- so we have full espresso bar, ice drinks, hot drinks, smoothies. Um, and we also are partnering with a local nonprofit. We're finalizing the details. So I, I can't really say it right now sure. publicly, but they are um, also a very missional business. And the, the goods that we are working to get from them are also helping to create jobs and opportunities. That's awesome. That so cool. you're, you kind of have like two different... Well, I mean, I guess they're two different businesses or they can be combined. So two different businesses. So tell us a little bit about, I guess, the first one that started you, that gave you the opportunity to now open up the coffee shop. You know, your coffee beans, they come from every place around the world, Ethiopia, Brazil, Honduras, Costa Rica, to name a few. Um, You know, are you are you buying these direct trade through the farmers? How are you how are you going about, I guess, sourcing these beans? Tell me a little bit about that process, because that's really cool to have a a local company that's bringing in basically the taste of the world. You know what I mean? That's actually one of the brand marketing plans we we thought about one time, like marketing. It's like taste the world. So it's kind well, of that's why we're right brand, we're brand builders. Let's taste yes. the world, everyone, right here with Enderly Coffee. Um, so tell me how. I mean, how did you? It's cool. Like I, I feel like you can say, oh, I'm going to open up a coffee shop. Yeah. Okay, not many people are going to be like, you know what? I'm going to be a wholesaler for coffee, yeah. right? So, so like, how did you get that vision? And 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 tell me about how that business is going. Yeah. So coffee, I don't know if most people know it, but it's actually a green raw product that you roast, you cook and you turn it brown. So when you buy it brown at, at the store, you're actually buying roasted coffee. So our job primarily is roasting coffee, turning it green to brown, pulling out and developing flavors in it so it's tasting the best it can taste. Uh, I started uh, at home on a popcorn air popper just because I saw on YouTube that you can roast coffee, and I bought some beans from a local shop that was up in the university area, some green beans, and did it on my front porch. Actually, first I did it in the house. It was really smoky, and I <laughs> took it out on the front porch. And then I started doing it more and more, and then I found out you could do it in a whirly pop, one of those popcorn poppers. And you could do one pound at a time instead of, like, 100 grams at a time. And so I started doing that. And um, industry co-working, Tin Kitchen, and um, Watershed Church, those were my first three, like, wholesale clients. And they were like, oh, we'll buy your coffee. It was just network relationships I had. And so I started um, producing more coffee than I could produce. So I started after teaching, go in my backyard, and I'd do the whirly pop for two hours, just cranking, cranking, cranking over a flame. And just kind of like grew it out of my backyard. And eventually I invested in a like little micro roaster that could do up to five pounds at a time, which isn't too micro, but it's a 
good times, but I was doing that out of my house still. And then we had a second child and my wife kicked me out of the house and <laughs> had to go find a warehouse that I just ordered in. And then they were starting their construction. So I had to go find a commercial space and I worked in a commercial kitchen. So the, the story of how we did it, it's been very true grassroots organic, but how um, I got connected with like farms and beans. My friend Daniel, he went down to Guatemala, brought me back some, some beans from this farm that they that were, our church is connected with. And I contacted the farmer and said, hey, can you guys get your green coffee to Charlotte? I want to roast it. And he said, well, actually, my other son lives in Arkansas. He brings in containers and he distributes it here in America. So, yeah, it starts just organically like that. And as you grow, you, you get contact. As soon as you say you're a coffee roaster, you get contacted by 100 different people who are selling green coffee. So what my job was was to work, work through some of those and figure out which ones I felt like my mission and core values aligned with and i found one main one in charleston that i work with the balzac brothers it's an unfortunate name but it's a very <laughs> solid family-run company um they do a great job their coffee is fantastic and they they're primarily who i work with but i do have a couple different direct trade relationships who i buy directly through people who have farms and are farmers down in these countries who bring it in for us and, and how many how many people do you guys have on that team now and, and i guess what's your reach are you guys staying in the charlotte area mm -hmm. as far as distributor yeah. okay yeah so we have um currently four people on the warehouse kind of roasting side and then uh we reach basically mecklenburg county going to fort mill a little bit winston-salem a little bit and then we do online delivery so i deliver all across the country or ship across the country excellent when people order we have a lot of um, of people that will be listening to this podcast. Some of our clients, some friends who who own restaurants, have chains. Um, how how would somebody, if they wanted to bring in local, like tell me a little bit about how that process happens? Because we'll talk a little bit more about how we can get in contact with you, and that's kind of the goal of this. Yeah. But do they do they have to buy one? Do they have to buy a container? Like what what's the? Tell me how that works from a buying standpoint. So if there's people out here, they're like, hey, I want local Charlotte coffee. Yeah. Yeah, so we, that's what we do. We, our bread and butter is the wholesale business, and that's really how we are continuing to scale this business. So for um, anyone who's looking for wholesale coffee, it could be anyone from a restaurant to a co-working space to an apartment building to an office building. Whoever drinks coffee every day, if you wanted to support what we're doing, but also bring in some local fresh coffee, um, just reaching out to us, and we would come up with um, a conversation that would focus on equipment, how you guys are currently brewing your coffee, training, how can we make sure it's brewed properly, and then picking the right beans for you. So one coffee, 20 pounds a month could work, or splitting it up between different origins. If you wanted to be uh, more adventurous, you could do that as well. And then when it comes to restaurants and stuff, it's custom blending and figuring out like what exactly that restaurant or that client wants out of the coffee. Right now, what's your favorite um, region where, where your beans are coming from? Yeah, it's funny. It changes changes all the time because we try so many different coffees my current favorite coffee is my rwandan coffee it's um, a super bright juicy coffee that's the way that i describe it um it's got like apricot and pear notes and not to get too crazy in it it's just a really good flavorful cup of coffee um that's probably my favorite right now is coffee like sort of wine in that it the nutrients and and the way it's grown in a region and how much rain it gets and all of that yeah. like it does it really have the effect in in the bean like mm -hmm. it would on a grapevine so yeah yeah definitely and okay altitude and climate and all these things have a huge impact and, and there are people who have said that like what you grow around the coffee kind of in, infiltrates into the coffee and i don't i don't know how much of that is like actually true but yeah but i do know <laughs> i do know that the growing 
it has a huge influence on the quality of the green coffee we receive and then the roasting that we do has a huge impact on the quality that we put out there. Got you. So are you doing like flavors in your roasting too, or do you just roast and distribute and then, because you know, you get the hazelnut and all, yeah. how does that, how does that stuff happen? Yeah. So that's a, a process that happens after the roasting. It's just simply putting a flavoring oil and mixing it, and in, mixing it in with okay. the beans. So we don't primarily do that. We've done it for some clients, but our primary focus of what we do is just focusing on the quality of what's inherently in that bean. So. Got it. So in the, in the coffee world, you know, the big, the S word, I won't even mention them, but I won't mention yeah. them. Starbucks. Everybody likes Starbucks. You might not like Starbucks, but they, I believe, really, really brought kind of the high-end coffee where you're going to walk in and pay 5 $6 a cup and mm -hmm. be happy about it. So do you see, like, did Starbucks increase the coffee market or did it hurt maybe local markets? And then also, us being a local company, we're all about local business, right? Mm -hmm. And I really feel that there's a lot of people out there that would like to buy their coffee local. So I guess, what's your take on Starbucks? It's kind of like the Walmart, right? Does it help or hurt your business? Mm -hmm. Does it help because people want to drink coffee and then you can go in there and say, hey, buy local? Or does it hurt because people only want Starbucks? Like, how does that affect your business? Yeah, we had a neighbor come in yesterday. She's like, do you guys do Starbucks? <laughs> and we were trying to figure out what she meant. <laughs> and what she meant was, do you do like like frappuccino, like right. sweet blended beverages and stuff. It was just funny when yeah. she said that. But no, Starbucks has truly innovated the industry. Like to, to do what they did back when they started, it truly opened all of the doors that I've been able to walk through have been opened because of their first entrance into the market. So um, I honestly, like to be honest, and this may be something a lot of coffee people won't say, but I'll go into a Starbucks and drink a Starbucks. If there's, if there's, one nearby and there's not other options and it's convenient. Um, you know, their blonde roast isn't, isn't terrible. It's tastes pretty good. It's coffee. It's, you know, it's what I need. And I'm not too, too pretentious to like yeah. to say Starbucks is evil. Starbucks is the devil. And they take care of their employees. Um, they're trying to do some really sustainable things worldwide with the farms that they're working with. Um, and they're really focusing a lot more on the specialty more recently. So they're actually upping their quality a lot more in, in the last five years or so. So, I won't sit here and hate on them because no. I, I really think that they've grown the market. I really do hate seeing little, you know, Starbucks within every little Target and little right. little this and that. Every corner you see one, but um, you know, they they've done a great job growing a business. So. Well, and that I mean, it's all about opportunity, yeah. right? And I think if you guys had a passion and love for for coffee, and they kind of gave you even more of a platform or or made everyone in America addicted to it, I don't know what it is, but we're, yeah. I mean, I love coffee. I didn't I didn't really drink much coffee until I had a kid. Yeah. And uh, now I'm like an <laughs> avid consumer. Addicted. So yeah. how do I get 15 pounds yeah. into my house? The uh, so Enderly Coffee. What's your what's your hottest item on the menu right now? Currently, um, the iced caramel latte is Ooh. super popular. It's really sweet, milky. You can get that with oat milk as well, which makes it a little more creamy. Um, and then the second most popular is the it's the dirty iced chai. So it's a shot of espresso in an iced chai and made with oat milk. It tastes like a like a cream pie. It's delicious. Oh my God. Wow. So if you like Let's those kind of beverages, if you want more of yeah. like a just like a good cup of coffee, I would go with one of our featured. We feature our Rwandan I was talking about or our Ethiopian right now. So you can get those made by the cup in the shop. Very good. So where's the what's the future, right? You you have your two different businesses. You've now gotten your your coffee shop. Is there a vision to to put these coffee shops in, in all over different cities, or maybe maybe just in different little towns here in Charlotte? Where do you guys want to go? Yeah, it's definitely something. As I got into my this first shop, I've thought about um, after doing it once, you see how people can scale these things. Like, okay, I did it once. 
it's open, it's growing, people are coming. How do I do this elsewhere or do I do this elsewhere? Um, as soon as you say you own a business, like a coffee shop, developers around town send you flyers every day. So right. everyone <laughs> wants a coffee shop in their development. Um, but that's not our plan. Like my plan, I'm not looking for number two right now. Uh, I'm just listening to everyone and seeing what people are willing to offer. And if the right offer made sense and I believed in our ability to, to execute properly on that, um, I think I would go forward with that. But primarily wholesale business is my, is my, fu- my future. I'm only going to be in the shop myself for you know, six months or so. And then once I feel like it's humming, I'll, I won't be in there as often. And my primary focus is growing wholesale, just wholesale clients. Excellent. You have a, a, a saying on your, on your website, and I'm, I'm sure this is what you guys live by people first coffee always. Tell me what that means to you. Yeah. So to me, um, you know, I had an experience at a shop this week and I, I'm reflecting on this all the time. What does this mean for me? And um, the person at the register asked for my name, and the reason they asked for my name was to type it into the computer so that it printed on the ticket so that they could call my name to get my drink. And at my shop, like, it's really authentic. When I ask your name and you say, my name is, is John, I say, hi, John, I'm Tony, really nice to meet you, and I shake their hand. It's like, it's, it's more about people are people, people are human, people want connection, and that's what I want, that's what I want for my employees, but most importantly, my customers, I want that for them as well. Um, so what it means to me is just like, just know, knowing that, that every person in this world does want that connection. So we've all had those transactions. We've all had those experiences where it's not human connection and it sometimes feels really dry or really, um, just inauthentic or whatever that is. Um, so at the coffee shop level, people first means when we come in, we're re- we really do want to get to know you. Do you live around here? Do you work around here? What brings you in today? Thank you so much for choosing to spend your money on our product today. We really do appreciate that. But the bigger scale, um, we focus on employing, you know, through people that we know in our neighborhood and around our neighborhood. So um, people that I bring in, I really want to work with them on bigger things than just a paycheck. I want I want to talk about how do we help you get your first place to live? How do we help you save up for your first car? Let's sit down and go through a budget and set some goals for for savings and for how you get into your own place. Um, life skills, working through GED paperwork, FAFSA paperwork. I've done all this stuff through the last six years with uh, different employees. And um, for me, I wouldn't be where I am today without, I could think of one boss when I was in 10th grade at a Jets Pizza in Michigan. And, and he really had a huge influence on me. He didn't realize it. I didn't realize it. But looking back, like he was there for me. He took care of me. He talked through some things with me that I probably would have failed on miserably if I didn't have someone there to help guide me through it. So I, I just really do want to create a space and for my employees to to be a sort of a resource for them and create a culture of that. So now James is managing the shop. Whoever comes in to work with James, I want him to do the same and feed into and focus on the people because um, coffee's going to be there. Coffee's great. You know, coffee is wonderful, but the people first is what's most important to me. And you, so Very you came cool. from Detroit and, and I know we're, we'll wrap this up here, but I have another question. I'm interested. So you seem very passionate about Charlotte. I've been here for eight years. I've, I met my wife. I have kids. I love Charlotte. Like this is my home and I feel like I'm a part of this community. Tell me why Charlotte and, and how did you guys, is it the same feeling from that connection? Cause it's almost like you're speaking from the heart. Like you've been here, like you were born here, like Enderly park is where you're from forever, but you're not like you're from Detroit and you're from other areas, but like the passion that we can see is amazing. So tell me, like, is, is, is Charlotte just special, or, or did you guys just make a connection to that? Like, tell me a little bit about that. Well, it's, you know, I told you how I got here was just money. Like, right, yeah. CMS recruited <laughs> us. We, we had student loans at, from Michigan State, and we had to 
pay those down. And um, so coming to Charlotte wasn't out of a love for the city. Quote right. unquote. My wife did actually drive through here on the way to Hilton Head with some friends. And, oh, downtown was really, really clean and nice. And they went to Cosmos, I think it was. And that's oh, what okay. that was 10 yeah. years ago, 12 years ago. Thanks, Cosmos. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but what, what it comes down to, we moved into this neighborhood and we just lived life. And we, I think you said a front porch neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yep. And that's that's the difference. Like our neighborhood, our people that we know in the neighborhood, it's a front porch neighborhood. Front yards are where everything happens. When I grew up in Metro Detroit, uh, not from Detroit, but Metro outside yep. in the suburbs, the be- the front yard is empty. Like it's pristine. It's beautiful. Everyone does everything in the backyard. You don't know your neighbor's name. You wave at them. They go to and from work and nobody really is living in community. So um, I think where this passion comes from is we've truly gotten to know people, their stories, their challenges through our teaching experience in Title I schools, as well as living in Enderly Park. And the more and more you experience things, just like when anyone goes on, let's say, a mission trip to Uganda, you, you know, you see things differently. Your eyes are open. Your heart grows for those people. But instead of, like, going for two weeks and then coming back, we actually have been living for 10 years around and in this stuff. Um, you know, it becomes, like, almost like a life mission almost to, like, just, just help, to add value, to you know, I have social capital because of who I am and who I was born to and where I was born and who I was surrounded with. My my goal is to connect that social capital to help people and give opportunity. So I don't know if that answers. No, that. I, I, it does. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. We need, we need more of that in Charlotte Absolutely. and beyond. So thank you for that. Yeah, your story's been amazing. I um, It seems like you and your wife are great people. And I can't wait to, to follow your story and go drink your coffee and um, tell us a little bit about how people can find you if they are interested in buying your wholesale product. And then also tell us a little bit about how they can find your shop and uh, and a little bit more like that. And we'll Yeah, so if you're interested in the wholesale, the website, there's a tab that says wholesale. Just fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you within uh, within uh, 24 to 48 hours. Um, that's really easy and simple. We'd love to talk. Um, the shop is located at 2620 Tucker CG Road. We're about a quarter mile um towards the city from the Milestone Club, which a lot of people know. We're at the corner of State and Takasiji. There's good parking. There's a front patio that has bright yellow furniture. You can't miss it. Um, yeah, and come by, introduce yourself. If you heard of us through the podcast, let, let me know. Um, I'd love to meet you. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you, appreciate sir. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.